thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. It's a great privilege for Minette and myself to, to come here and to, to come and serve you. And um, uh, coming from New Gen, uh, we just want to extend our, our, our gratitude and just a big hello from uh, New Gen Somerset West to you all. And uh, as we come, I also want to say that we come under your authority. So anything that I would say today, uh, I subject that uh, to Glenn and the elders. So if there's anything that um, come through that is not 100% what you feel like, this is great. Um, they can correct me and I'm 100% happy with that. So um, uh, you are busy with a series on... Um, with Peter Scazzaro on Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And today we will be tackling the idea of becoming emotionally healthy and emotionally healthy adult. So um, how are we going to do that? So I'm going to try and attempt to show you emotionally unhealthy adults, what that would look like, and then our human effort to address it, but how we dismally fail at what we try to do. And it's not satisfactory how we try and sort these things out. But then I will present a way out of this problem as I perceive it. So uh, first I would like to pray for us. And thank you, Glenn, for the prayer. Um, but I just want to bring us all before the throne of God this morning. So Father, I thank you, God. I thank you that you hear me. And I thank you, God, that uh, you are present in our midst. And Father, I want to pray for each one of us, Lord, every one of us, as we come before you, as we become before your, your word, I pray, God, that you would speak to us through your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. As we've prepared for this morning, that you have reigned on the hearts of everyone here present, that you've prepared their hearts to hear your word, I pray, God, that your word will find entry into our hearts, and Lord, that it will fall on good soil. I pray, Lord, that whatever the enemy has um, planned and strategized for this morning, we make it of no effect. We plead your blood over this congregation. And Father, I want to pray for if there's mountains of disbelief, if there's mountains, Lord, of cynicism, Lord, if there's mountains of just being heart soul, if there's mountains of depression, God, that we speak to these mountains and we say, say raise, be raised up and be cast away from you in Jesus' name. And Father, that whatever I present this morning, I pray, God, it will bring honor to your name and God, that we would actually um, become more mature. As, as we face our world and as we face whatever is going on around us, to live lives victoriously, to live lives, God, as you have intended for us to be your children. And I thank you, God. I thank you that you hear me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, how do we start? Uh, all of us, before we come to know God, we are dead in our trespasses. And sin is ruling your and my life, and our whole condition is poor, and we are so, so lost. But Jesus told Nicodemus that unless a man is born again, 
uh, he will never see the kingdom of God. So the whole thing is we have to start at the start, and that is to be born again. And I trust all of us that's here, or most of you that's here today, have made that decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. So that is the start, but that's not where it, it actually just starts and that's where it ends. I believe that we want to grow up in, in a spiritual sense to become big and strong and mature adults in Christ. So if I look at your kids, each one of you that have a child or have some children, I, I don't think there's any expectation that you have uh, for your kids to stay small or to stay little or just to remain infants. Uh, you want your kids to grow up and you want them to become uh, productive adults, to, to make an impact in the world and uh, to, to bring honor to your name. And I think, so it's for all of us, it's like, of course, that's what I want. I want my kid to, to actually become strong and to be out there and, and carry the name, the Boddingtons or the Kovaruses. I want them to, to carry our name and to do well. Um, so, but why is it that we fail in the spiritual realm? And I'm going to try and show us why. So uh, in Matthew 5, oh, sorry, Matthew 9, um, I'm just going to read a little scripture there. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into his harvest field. So the condition of the sheep, so if we look at the sheep, Jesus looked at the crowd and he saw them to be harassed and helpless. Um, but can you believe it? In all the towns and villages in that time, there were synagogues, scribes and Pharisees. Were they not able to shepherd their people adequately? Why is it that Jesus saw them and he saw them to be helpless and harassed? Um, I think there's a possibility that there was maybe a form of religion uh, that had an appearance of doing good, but it failed the people. I do think that today the same dilemma faces the church. People needing shepherds to look after them and to care for them, but the shepherds are not fulfilling that role adequately. And also, God is also asking for more shepherds because there's a huge, huge requirement, people out there that is, is needing help and is harassed. So um, I have the privilege to deal with people on a daily basis. And this one mom, she brought me her little boy of five years old. And she said, I need to come and help with the situation. And when I saw the little boy, as he was walking up to me, uh, there was something, he was, he was cute, he was strong, he was like a little robust little boy, but there was something that was just strange. Um, he was wearing these big pants, and the reason he was wearing these big pants was because he was still on nappies. 
And um, that, that was the issue why the mom brought a little boy, because he was, he was determined to hold on to wearing nappies, going to um, his little school that he was going to. And the issue was the, the kids started to mock him, and every time he had to go to the toilet, uh, the teacher had to take him, uh, and he didn't want to go to the toilet because he didn't want to take his nappy off. And uh, so for us, it's like, that's kind of strange. Why would he still be on nappies? He's five years old. But in his mind, he was like, I'm fine with the nappy. And I think the, the problem is that many, many people, well, the mom didn't, didn't want her boy to be, be, be mocked and, and made fun of, but many people go through their lives and they say, but uh, we want our kids to grow up and not to be in that, stuck in that place. But in 1 Corinthians 3, um, Paul addresses us and he says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you still are not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? So he equates being worldly that if there is jealousy among us and quarreling that we are still worldly. Are you not acting like mere humans? So that is not me saying that. That's Paul saying it to the brothers and sisters in the church. Then in Hebrews 5, a similar verse, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. So the dilemma for the condition of the sheep is spiritual infancy. And I believe it's a huge problem in God's kingdom today. Spiritual infancy. All right. So we don't want to, to have our little ones, five years old, still on nappies. We're saying, no, 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 no. I want my boy, my girl to grow up. I want them to be productive. But in a spiritual sense, how do, how do we get that right? So becoming mature spiritually. So that is the, that is the, the task at hand. Is so I'm born again, and now I want to become mature spiritually. So um, we set off, we search everywhere for knowledge and insight. And my boy, isn't there a lot that we can search? Expanding our understanding but with all the aids available, the books, the podcasts, the videos, the teaching series, etc., and carrying on, how is it possible that so many believers can't seem to live an overcoming life that honors God and edifies the people they come in contact with? Now, I'm not inferring, come to Jesus and all your problems will disappear. But why would anyone looking in at us want to follow Christ? In many ways, it is not attractive, sad to say. So many people are skilled in God's word, 
but yet they remain unfruitful. Uh, it reminds me of the guys in the gym. Now I want you to picture this. Glenn and me working out in the gym. We're pushing weights. We're building up quite a sweat. What would the purpose be for all of this hard work? Anyone? Why would we go to the gym? Get stronger. To look good. To stay healthy. To impress our friends. So December last year we were at Full Clip and uh, a couple of us were there at the beach and one of our friends, he was reluctant uh, to come and swim with us. Uh, he did, if he did venture out to the beach with us, it was always with his t-shirt on. Why? Because of be, him being overweight and unfit. So he was quite calm. He was quite sort of like... Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, you have guys, you call them jocks, <laughs> that's in the gym daily. They're about one to two hours every day. They work out. They do a set of three, you know, and then they go to the mirror and they, they do the look. <laughs> You've seen them, eh? You've seen Glenn. I mean them. <laughs> I had to get that one in. <laughs> so, so... My understanding is that they, they vigorously train their bodies in discipline, their diet to perfection. I tell you, it's hard work to, to get that diet right. Um, but what's the point thereof? They are something to behold. I tell you, these guys, they do look great, you know. And one may even desire to become like them. But it takes a lot of hard work and dedication. So they work out. And they get themselves spiritually, are they physically fit? But all of this muscle and body strength, for what cause? For what is the application? Do they go out and do physical labor? Do they pull a tractor? Do they <laughs> lift logs? No, they just do it because it's for them. They look great. They like, they, 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 they're just amazing. But it's going nowhere. So it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't despise going to the gym and those things, but why do we do it if we're not going to apply or use that? Um, now, can the comparison be made with us as Christians that we are so well equipped and trained in the Word, but all around us, people are lost and going to hell? Isn't that the condition of the shepherds? Now, how can I say this? You say, Cornell, this is, this is not great. Well, in Matthew 23, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. So listen to this next couple of words. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. Be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Isn't it amazing? When the Pharisees and the scribes, when they handle the word, Jesus says, do what they do. I mean, 
uh, do what, uh, do what they, listen to what they say, but don't do what they do. You must listen to what they say, because Jesus is saying, what they're presenting is great, the Word of God, that's it. Listen to what they say, but don't do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up, where we go now? There we go. Hang on. Uh, this is important because Thanks, Pete. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. All right. I almost got carried away by myself there. there we go. All right. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do, so I'm, I'm just sort of like quickly getting just a couple of the, the portions. I'm not reading the whole thing. Everything they do is for people to see. So if I think about the guys working out in the gym, it's for people to see. They love the place of honor at banquets, and they want the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Hello, Cornell. Hello, my boy. Hello, Cornell. And they want to be called rabbi or teacher. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea for a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Woe to you, O blind guides. And he carries on. So he says, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? The issue Jesus is highlighting is that the shepherds' words and their actions do not line up. How do you and I do as shepherds of God's flock? Do we put heavy loads on the people that we ourselves are not prepared to carry? Do we do our deeds for others to see? Do we love or go to the front seat? Do we shut the door in, of heaven in people's faces? but we ourselves do not enter. Remember, we are working towards becoming spiritually mature, emotionally healthy, and, and that's the whole focus. Am I clean on the outside for everyone to see, but on the inside I'm full of greed and self-indulgence? Am I a whitewashed tomb looking great but in the inside, I'm full of dead bones. You see, Jesus does not mince his words. He calls us blind guides, snakes, and vipers. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's the commission we and you and I have, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now listen to the next few words. Teaching them... 
So the people that we go out to disciple, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So they have to observe all that he has commanded us to do. They, we are discipling. They are observing us. Do you know that you are being observed 24-7? Not just by your kids, but wherever you, wherever you go. So, what does it mean to observe? So people are noticing, people have to observe. Those that we want to disciple, they are observing us. It is to notice me. It is to regard me attentively. It is to heed what I'm saying. It's to watch me, to keep religiously what I'm saying, to celebrate what I'm doing, and to mention saying, but Cornell is doing that. If you have a problem, that's the way Cornell is doing that. Now, to me, it sounds like what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Can I say that? People follow me as I follow example of Christ. I think that is where we become, that's where the, the tie hits the top. It's like the condition of the sheep, the condition of the shepherds. Remember, we are addressing the topic, growing into an emotionally healthy adult. So we have touched on spiritual infancy and on spiritual maturity, so to speak. Uh, but that spiritual uh, maturity that I'm speaking about, if it's ineffective, it's actually diseased. So um, there's three types of trees that the word is, is mentioning, and I don't want to carry on into too much detail about the trees, but uh, here we go. I found this little tree. Look at this beautiful tree. Nice, eh? So the first tree that the Word talks about in Matthew 12, it says, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. Now he uses the same word again. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that you that everyone but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So, Jesus told his disciples to do everything the Pharisees told them to do when they are handling the word of God, but not to do what they do. In this portion of scripture, he highlights that if a man is evil, he can only bring forth evil. How's my conduct when I'm not preaching or teaching. So when I'm teaching the word, it's all good and well, but what happens if I step away from this? Um, on our quest for, to become emotionally mature adults, can I ask that you 
do an audit during the course of the next few days on what comes out of your mouth. It might come as a surprise to hear what is being produced by your heart. I am myself sometimes shocked, especially when those taxis push in front of me. So I'm saying, I'm not standing here and saying, but this is the essence. It's like it's, it's almost too simple to mention, but it's, that's profound what God is trying to get to us and saying, guys, this is what I expect of you. So, so we spoke about the bad or the diseased tree. The next, I'm going to speak about the next tree that, the, that that's, we find in the Word of God is Luke 13. And it says... A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And when he, looked for, when he went to look for fruit on it, but not, did not find any, he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for the fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then I will cut it down. You see, again, there's an expectation uh, for growth and fruitfulness. As believers, we cannot just coast. In Mark 11, it speaks about the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. And this is the thing that troubled my mind. Because it was not the season for figs. It's like, hello, why would you go to the fig tree when you know it's not the season for figs? Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say, say it. So I'm, I'm saying, Jeez, Jesus, isn't that a bit harsh? You know, going to a fig tree expecting fruit when it was not the season for fruit. And then I think the Spirit of God just gave me this answer. He says, Jesus has an expectation for you and me to bear fruit in season and out of season. He is not satisfied with us as his children, as you are not satisfied with your children, to just live a mediocre life. Living and leading a mediocre life, meaning ons gaan maar net aan, or go with the flow. Cornell, it's a new dispensation. Haven't you heard? The world is changing. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. Whatever will be, will be. Don't be so tight. You're so conservative. Lighten up. Get a life. But in Revelation 3, the angel of the church in Laodicea wrote these words. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler, ruler, ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, Cornell that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one of the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, 
I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, Cornell, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But do you not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? Why is barrenness not okay? Why is barrenness not acceptable? Because in Matthew 5 it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And then, you are the light of the world. You and me, we are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, I think there's a, there's a point in terms of saltiness and being uh, a light. And, and it, I think the, the, the saltiness, it's like there's a... God expects of us that there must be some purity in us. It, it has to sort of like, it has to be there. Now, if you think of a lighthouse, um, say that beam is starting to become dim. So what happens at night? Um, I tell you, we were on a, a vessel some last year in September, and it was quite dark, and we tried to get to Saldana, and all the, the only thing we were looking for was that little light coming from the little lighthouse. Um, and you know what? The light was bright and the light was consistent. You see, the problem is, have you ever considered a lighthouse that is on for some hours of the night and off other hours of the night because of load shedding or maintenance? <laughs> you see, that's what God is saying. He says, God, guys, you can't. You can't switch on and now I'm a Christian and tomorrow I'm not. I think he has an issue with that. Because we pick and choose when we will be on and when we'll be off. And I think that's why the people were helpless and they were harassed. Because the leaders of that time were not consistent and they were not doing what the word expect them to do. So, the third tree that I'm going to quickly touch on, how are we doing for time? Almost done. Is the good tree. Make a tree good, that's in Matthew 12, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. A good man brings good things out of the good stored in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in him. So, what are some of the signs of, of maturity? And these signs that, that I'm going to touch on is, um, as I've gone through the scriptures, uh, I think the first thing is we must practice what we preach. That is a sign of maturity. We must beware of empty words. We must beware of not speaking idle words. So watching the rugby... 
No evil talk. <laughs> Not speaking foolishly. Die, stupid ref. <laughs> Die, idiot. Not telling lies. How do we, how do we conduct ourselves? If I'm out quickly doing something and I need to get back to the office and I let my secretary know I'll be there in five minutes but I know I'll be there in 15 minutes. Is that not telling a lie? No cursing. I think we are so so easy to to maybe say something that's cursing. You see, people listen to us all the time. No filthy talking. So, then we have to be truthful to ourselves. We have to be earnest. And we have to repent. Jesus is saying, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. How often do I invite Jesus to come and have a meal with me? Or is it like, sorry Lord, just go away. Uh, go next door. Audrey and Celia, they... they... <laughs> I love this. Live by the Spirit. That's another sign of maturity. And I'll, I'll touch on that as well. And strive for purity and consistency. Uh, I think it's so important. So did you get that? It's purity and consistency. Living by the Spirit. Be earnest and repent. Practice what you preach. And beware of empty words. And there was a couple of that. Not speaking idle words. Evil talk. Foolish, speaking foolishly, telling lies, cursing, filthy talking. All right. So where to from here? All right. So this is where I get to, to do a little sketch and have a sip of water. Okay. All right. So everything in our life has to do with relationships. Agree? Everything in our life. Life is relationships. If you want to look at the quality of your life, then look at the quality of your relationships. How are you doing with the relationship with yourself? Are you at peace with yourself? Do you, can't, can't you stand yourself? There's people that I see that they hate themselves. They just, they just want to get away from themselves, and it's very difficult. How's your relationship with your spouse? How's your relationship with your kids? How's your relationship with your extended family? your work colleagues, the man or the woman on the street. So you see, all of us are in relationships all the time. So we have, first of all, we have the relationships on this level, the horizontal level. Okay, so here we have you. And, and here we have a plus sign, and we have a minus, and this is sort of like the average line here. And then we have relationships with family. Okay. That's what you're born into. Then we have relationships with friends. 
Okay, then we have relationships with colleagues. And finally, we have relationships with our enemies. I, I know the word says, as far as it's possible, live at peace with everybody, but some of us don't get that right. So here we go. So here we are in a sort of a graph in terms of relationships. And depending on how you're doing, it might be positive, it might be negative, but it's, it has to do with how do we get along with the people around us. And maybe m many of us, we try to work out how to sort out these relationships by getting advice from others. So we take a human standard, uh, and I was quite shocked last night when I uh, looked at some of the advice that Dr. Google is giving, is like how to say hurtful things to someone that has hurt you. So just go check it. No, don't. But it's <laughs> so there's a human standard. You see, but the human standard, the issue with the human standard, it's like it's like a shifting shadow. So I asked Glenn, all right, listen, I really have problems with Manette. What can I do? And he says, no, man, you know, just ignore her. Just give her <laughs> silent treatment. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so I take his advice. And then someone else tells me, no, man, you must just clap her. You know, like, so just clap her a couple of times. And I, okay, I'll go clap her. But you see, the problem is that's, that's a human standard. And the human standard shifts. And the human standard is, is not... Successful. Why? Because then someone else says, you cannot clap your wife. This is not great. I'm going to go and report you to the police. And, and all those things. Like, And we try and work things out. How successful are we to sort out our stuff on the horizontal level? You see, if we use a human standard, it's like, it's like a little scale. So here we have a little scale. And I look at what this guy is doing, and I try to do the same, and I don't have the same results. So sometimes I do better. So sometimes my scale is up, and my friend's scale is down. And other times my scale is down, and my friend's scale is up. So the human standard is it's like, if you think of how we try to solve problems in our world, it's like, yeah, yeah, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. And all the time, our human standard is constantly shifting. It's constantly up. It's constantly down. And uh, I don't think we get great success in, in, in using our human standard. Um, are you agreeing with me? Okay. So let me just see. Where am I? Here we go. All right. And then the other problem is comparison. So we, we like to compare. What is that guy driving... Where's that guy living? Oh, that guy's bought a house there. I must buy a bigger house. So we're constantly in this thing about trying to compete. But I want to say that in order to, to work this thing out, I, we should not start on the horizontal level. I want us to start on the vertical level. Okay, so here we have, remember we're on trying to get ourselves emotionally healthy and stronger. So here we have God. And here we have me. 
And this is on the vertical level. And again, if you look at the plus minus, so here we have a plus, a minus. How's this relationship going? You see, when when we start here, I think we are we have a, a reference in terms of God's word, we have a reference that is stable and secure. And ever the same. And I think that is the, the thing that I'm after. Is like, how about a level of truth? How about a level of respect? How about a level of trust? How about a level of love? You see, when I work from this reference... I have a standard to apply to this reference. You see, that's how I think we become emotionally mature. Is that when we, when we use God's word as our reference, as our reference point, and we take that, and I, I build on that, and he says, all right, so how are you going to do that? Um, instead of an eye for an eye, or a tooth for a tooth, or being anxious about my life, what I will eat, what I will drink, what I will wear. Hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. Me being envious of my neighbor, me looking at women with a lustful intent, you see, that's the human standard. Eat or be eaten. But Cornell, everybody does it. No. If we are born again, God expects us to grow up. And God expects us to work from a point of reference where He is our priority, He's our reference, and working from that reference, we can actually do much, much better. So just quickly, how do we sort this thing out? How often do you look in the mirror on a daily basis? Once, twice. Okay, so here we have, this is me, okay, and I look in the mirror. This is me looking at myself in the mirror. And why do I look in the mirror? If I, if I finish shaving, uh, I can see if there's some shaving cream still on my ear, or if I cut myself. So the idea is that I look in the mirror, so the Word of God... is our mirror. Okay, so the Word of God is the mirror. And when I look in the mirror, I can see if there's something that I need to alter. It seems like... So you, you have to do that on a regular basis. I, I don't think there's a day that go by that I do not look in the mirror, especially in the mornings, and then maybe in the evenings. So the idea is to... We've got to look in the mirror on a constant basis. And if you think about the Word of God as a mirror, let's just say the Ten Commandments. When you look that up, you'll see that the first 
Number one, two, and three. The first, the first three has to do with the relationship between you and God. You will have no other God but me. You'll make no molten or craven image. Um, and what is the third one? But if you look at, it's in Exodus 20. You'll find the Ten Commandments. And then it talks, the fourth one, the fourth one is the Sabbath. And then from 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, these six has to do with you and your neighbor. And that is not the only thing that I'm trying to point out, but you see how beautiful the Word of God is. It's like he's saying, all right, in order to work this thing out, let's start on the vertical, and then you can address the horizontal. And we get the cross. So that's the thing about becoming emotionally mature, I believe, is work from the reference of God is my source. Um, David, in the book of Psalms, gives us an important key in Psalm 119.11. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Remember I spoke about purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What did he say about the bad tree? A bad man out of, an, out of the evil of his heart produces evil. A good man out of the good of his heart produces good. How do we get the good in our hearts? I have hidden your word in my heart. I've taken your word and I've put it in here. I'm like, yes! <laughs> and God, because I have your word in me, my life is pure. My life is good. Um, and then, in order to produce the fruit that God expects from us, in John 15, it says, I am the true vine, my, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Remember the barren tree? While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. None of us can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It says here, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. So you see that the remaining is the key. It's like we've got to remain. Um, and I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Do we see Christians that are joyful? I think we are quite... I, it says here in verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Yes, 
fruit that will last. So, but there's, a, there's another little thing I want to add here this morning, and it's saying this remaining is unsustainable through only human effort. Why do I say that? Because we are sinful on the road to become holy as Christ is holy. Now before you sigh and throw your hands in the air, remember these words. Paul in his letter to the Romans states, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And I do not, and if I do not, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I, do, for, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And here is the clincher. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And to put the cherry on the cake, this is what Jesus promised. He said, I will send my Holy Spirit to guide us in all the truth, and Him being our helper. In John 16, He says, But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you. And he, when he comes, he will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a Savior and about righteousness and about judgment. So you see, I want to remain here. But my sinful nature is saying, no, I can't. And... And then Jesus saying, but that's not a problem. That's not, a, that's not an issue. You see, I'm sending you my Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the beautiful, it's the helper. He's my comforter. I'm like, this taxi, Lord. He's like, okay, my boy, it's all right. Calm down. Because the Holy Spirit is saying, could I remain? You know, if at that point we have a situation, we had a situation where a, a Christian friend of ours, he was driving and he has a specific recognizable number plate. And another Christian friend saw this number plate and knew this was the guy. And he thought he's going to play a trick on him. 
and this guy was driving with his vehicle, and this guy behind him thought, I'm gonna be on his butt, and he's like pushing him, and, and so on. And the guy like, for sake, man, and he's like, and the next moment he pulls around, and he pulls in front of him, and he's, in the, he's at the stop street, and he stops. And this guy lost his mind, whoa! And the hands go up. So, you see, in that moment, I don't think I, I will probably have responded differently. I think we are so prone to, 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 to lose it. But that's where we can repent. We can come to our Heavenly Father. At the end of the day, how do we become mature? So here's a, an example of spiritual maturity. And it is, first of all, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and then your neighbor as yourself. So who is my neighbor? In Luke 10, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Remember now the condition of the shepherds? When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, and pouring oil uh, uh, and wine on him. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have had. So who of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, Lord, the one who had mercy on him. So what I want to say is that in order for us to be mature and for, for the, in order for us to actually make a difference to our world is we need to see what's going on around us. And then if you are salt and if you are light, it means that that will be happening at that moment. So that I want to end by asking us to, to maybe take a moment and just take, if you are comfortable, just to, to maybe turn to your spouse. And if you don't have a spouse, maybe turn to a friend and uh, just not say anything, but just take a, a look at that person and um, just take a moment now. Just do that. Uh, I'm, it might be awkward. I'm not looking if you're looking, but uh, <laughs> um, just take a moment. And I want you to, to start seeing that this is your neighbor. This is, this is one that God has put in your side or next to you or as a friend, uh, as a partner, God has placed this person in your life so that the two of you can grow together and together bring glory to God's name.
And as you, I could from net cake. Okay, cake, 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 cake. But as we look at each other, sometimes we miss that there's things going on in our partner's life, and um, I just pray that we start to see each other. Father, I, I come before you this morning, and thank you, God, that your word is so so simple, so clear, but so profound. And I pray, God, that you will use this word, Lord, to, to set us on a path of growth, Lord, to, to come and to make such a huge difference in my own relationship with me, but then my relationship with my spouse, and then my relationship with my children, and then my relationship with my extended family, and then the relationship with my friends and my colleagues. Father, I pray that this message will, will ring true in our hearts, Lord, that we would go and turn the world upside down. God, I pray that we would really make a difference. I pray, God, that it would be a word that, that grows and matures. And, Father, that our speech would be sweet, and our speech would be full of salt. And it, God, you do not expect us to be like so boring that the world's just saying, run to the other side. I pray, God, that we would be people that would attract your people, the world out there that is harassed, helpless, looking for guides, looking for someone to observe that do not... One day is this way, and the other day is another way. But Father, help us to be consistent and to be great ambassadors for your kingdom, your kingdom of light. God, let us light this world. Lord, let us light the strand, Somerset West. Father, let us make impact in our schools and in the in varsity, and Lord, that let us be those that saying, no, 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 you can't say that. Or, geez, guy, how can you use Jesus' name like that? This is, this is not on. Father, we don't want to be like police, and we don't want to be like, hey, you mag it nie doen nie. But Father, we want to be people that actually authentically um, bring forth light. That's so salty that people are like saying, flip, that was amazing. I, we need more of that. Father, that when we leave a conversation, people are like, you, we want more. Why? Because, God, you are refreshing. And your spirit is dwelling inside of us. And, God, you want us to be victorious. God, you want us to actually be kids that is successful, that spiritually mature, that spiritually strong, that run into the enemy and saying, with my God, I can run into an enemy. With my God, I can scale a wall. Father, we are we're not cocky and arrogant, but we know who we are. Yes, we do. We are your children, God. And we thank you for this amazing, amazing word that well, dwells in us, Lord, and that is growing. And Father, let us bring glory to your name. Father, I want to pray for us as a congregation. These, these guys in liberty, I look over them. I look over them, God, and I pray, God, that they would bring glory to your name. Father, they, that, they would, that they would flourish in their 
internal life, Father, that they would flourish, that they would expand to the left and to the right, and Father, that they would actually have victorious moments, growing from moments to days to weeks. And Father, that we are not just here today and gone tomorrow, but God, that we are actually an army that makes a difference in the world that we, we get to, to, to be involved in. Thank you, God. Thank you. We, we praise you. We love you. And protect this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I go, I just want to say one more thing. Um, sorry, I've been a bit long, but uh, a couple of years ago, I was at a prayer meeting, and as I was, as I was praying with some of the adults, there were kids running around. And... Uh, they were like laughing and just carrying on. And the adults, they like crying, going and praying. And, and God said to me, you need to become like a child. And I'm like, I wonder what that means. And he says, well, if you don't become like a child, you will never inherit the kingdom of God. So with all of this said, I don't think it should be in heavy. I don't think it should be like, oh. Because since that day... I've tried to become more like a child. I know I'm an adult. I know I have responsibility. I know I have to work. I know I have to go to pay bills and stuff. But in the process of, of doing all of this, I'm starting to have fun. Because a child, these kids, when you look at your children, they've got no, they've got no worry, what are we going to have for lunch today? They don't worry about, is the lights going to work tonight? Is there going to be load shedding? They don't worry about, how are we going to get to school? They don't worry about what I'm going to wear. They're like, well, if my dad's going to take care of that, mom's going to take care of that. And our Heavenly Father is saying, all of this, all of this, I'm, I'm saying this to you, not to become like a heavy, like, oh, got to do the next thing. I'm like saying, relax, relax. Spirit of God, guide me. Spirit of God, comfort me. Spirit of God, direct me. And as I stay in the Word, and as I eat your Word, I am actually joyful. I'm actually spontaneous. I'm actually authentic. And people are like, just like it. How do you get it? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like a child, just hanging in, just having fun, and living a life, and wish I was 20 years old. I'm not, but... <laughs> So God bless. Thank you for listening to me. Have a wonderful day. Cheers.